welcome to the Six Again podcast, your new destination for all things NRL. Here to bring you everything from team news to best bets are your hosts, Adam Hoy and Jared Mutton. Let's kick off. Hello and welcome into the Six Again podcast. We are but one week and a day away from opening night of the 2021 NRL season. We have episodes to go before our first team previews of the year and we're pretty damn excited and there's been some awesome news this week to get to and we will get to that after my co-host introduces himself based on the name that's on his screen. Oh, I'm Joey's Wagon. What, what, what does that even mean? And Jared will get there. Hi, my name's Adam. He didn't even realize I'd change his name on him. But uh, um, what's been going on, dude? How's the how's the skin treating you? Oh yeah, like I'm sitting at my desk and there's like skin flakes, like peeled oh. skin, like falling off. Too much information. It is so attractive. But seriously, Joey's work is that meant to be Andrew John's ass or? There we go. Uh, okay. Do yeah. sniffing around? Brilliant. Yeah. Look, um, if there's what's an going on? Sniffer in, yeah, just Vince, get... didn't finish that sentence. <laughs> um, oh, I would have said something really appropriate. I know. <laughs> no, nothing much. Just working. How about you? Nothing overly exciting anyway. How are the kids? Oh, yeah, they're good. I got home at five, five, yeah, about five, and Atticus was already asleep, and he's still asleep, which means he's probably going to wake up at midnight-ish, 1 a.m., but right yeah. now, they're really good. Annabelle was crazy fun this afternoon, crazy and fun separately. Um, oh, I actually have a story. Before that. So oh. this goes back to last Friday. I was sitting at the, um, sitting at the pool at the Bucks party, and I got a message from my partner with the picture of two chickens in my house, two baby chickens. Do you oh, remember yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. Yes. So she was telling me we're keeping them, we're keeping them. And then today I got home this afternoon and they're gone. Oh. Yes. The cage is still there. Turns out they died. <laughs> yeah, they passed away this, um, this afternoon. Why? You meant to feed them and stuff. We did. No, they're all fed and everything. Um, we, I, I believe that because they had the light in there and we're only sticking on at night time. Yeah. I believe the light needed to be on during the day as well, but I thought it would cover it because it's oh, so hot. Gosh. But yes. So that wasn't ideal. And wow. Yeah, Why did so, you bring it down to the side of the show? Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not good news for Pretty everyone. Pretty unfortunate. Um, <laughs> Good, good vibes only for the. For Bloody the hell! I need a, I need a beer after that just to get uh, to taste that horrible so story what, out of you now. What beer are you drinking? One of my favourites of all time, J Juice. <laughs> my name's Jared, and that's J Juice. <laughs> it also stands for J. No, it actually stands for Jedi. Jedi Juice. J- no, I got, I got, I got ahead of you and got hold of that drink before you drank it. Oh man, that smells so good. All right, <laughs> straight into it. We're going to start with some really awesome, <laughs> positive news to start this show while Jared in the background. I don't Joey's wagon. There we go. Russell Packer, 
Um, yeah, Eamon this is awesome. Had a very up and down career, including some jail time in 2015. And, well, actually, sorry, 5th of January 2015 was the day he got out of jail after spending a year in there for assault. And pretty much from that moment on, he's redefined himself through education and rugby league. And up on NRL.com right now is a fantastic article um, written by Troy Whitaker about Russell Packer's career and life journey since then. And basically the headline of the story is that Russell Packer has just achieved his master of business education. So there's not a huge percentage of people that a complete uni B with honors, and then even a smaller number who finish with a, a master's. So he's achieved his MBA dream, almost NBA, but MBA. And listen to this, since he was released from prison, uh, Packer never finished high school. He got to year 10 and then and started through football. But his education journey started with a certificate. Uh, let's have a look here. Certificate four in community services at TAFE while he was at St. George Illawarra. St. George Illawarra. Then he went into a Bachelor of Commerce, Accountancy and Finance, and a graduate certificate in business before transferring to the University of New South Wales to complete his MBA. And he hasn't even stopped there. He's now since enrolled in a Master of Legal Studies at Corporate and Commercial at the University of Auckland. So not only has he turned his life around immensely, but he's just achieving above and beyond. So we thought we'd start this off with a bit of a feel-good story for Russell Packer. And you wouldn't think this is such a stereotype in rugby league that the one of the props of our game would be graduating with a Masters and, and iron off another one. So congratulations to oh, Russell. Look forward to seeing what you're going to do in the future. He, he's, he's, yeah. he's as qualified as a CEO that are running the NRL clubs now, basically, with those, with that. Uh, yeah, but um, two things from that. He, when Adam told me this, was obviously the media did report on it overly heavily. Um, but when Adam told me this, I was very surprised just because um, I wouldn't think he would be doing that kind of stuff, but more, more power to him. Um, but I think the... Um, I think the stigma needs to be taken off front row is doing stuff. So, you know, you look at Brent Kite, he's pretty qualified, isn't he? Yeah, um, I believe he's, a, he's got lawyer qualifications. Yeah. Um, also, not many people notice, but Christian Welch, the year before the pandemic, actually went to Harvard in his off-season mm-hmm. uh, for a few weeks for a um, some kind of course. So... This day and age, with the education the NRL are making the people do it at young age, for um, you know, for rugby league people, rugby league players, the thing that front rowers are all well blockheads and don't even know to run, that's not true anymore, eh? There, there's some really smart guys playing the NRL, yeah. and it's not surprising that it's come off the back of the NRL's initiative back in the day when the under twenties had to do a course some kind of course while they're playing. That used to be a thing. And if you, you look back, a lot of these players, Christian Welch and Russell Packer especially, they would have come through the um, the systems at that time when they were forced. So 
Um, it's really, really good that these um, players are, well, thinking of after their career because there's nothing sadder than when you hear of an NRL player struggling after their career when they've earned so much money during during their committee career. There's nothing and they're not knowing what to do with it. Yeah, so it's really positive to see these kind of players do it. So all the power to Russell Packer for this. Good on you, buddy. Look, hear some more look, stuff from that as we... And he's playing for the forward. Tigers. They need to reshuffle up top anyway, so maybe he's the option. Who knows? Yeah. Um, last week, the International Rugby League Board met and unanimously reaffirmed their commitment to doing everything possible to stage the World Cup in England in October, um, starting in Newcastle, St. James's Park and finishing at Old Trafford. So that's just a little update showing that Everything is, as we said a couple of weeks ago, moving forwards. Uh, a quote here is, the Board of International Rugby League unanimously reiterated that the priority focus is the successful delivery of the Rugby League World Cup in October and November in 2021. We recognise the challenge ahead, but encouraged by the recent updates of the UK government, incredibly in detail planning already undertaken by the Rugby League World Cup team. So they're doing everything safely. They're taking on board medical and legal and um, political advice. But it's good, good to know that the update is there and that they are aiming for the World Cup to go ahead as planned. So that's actually interesting from the English perspective because there's a bit of a blow-up going over there now because um, everyone's known when the World Cup's supposed to start. The English Super League is only stopping. The grand finals only like nine days before don't quote me on exact times, but nine days before the opening of the World Cup, which of course England is playing. So a few, well, a few people not happy about it because England will only have, you know, after grand final celebrations up to a week with their grand final players who you'd be assuming most of them will be playing in English squad, if not Mm. a fair chunk, especially in English Super League where there's a lot of the talents in it very, like three or four teams. So you think it was a lot of origin last year. Yeah, so there's a lot of blow up because these guys we play in a grand final obviously won't get overly a chance to celebrate and then but as a team they only get um I think it's like eight, seven or eight days to actually train yeah. before this World Cup together. During that period, England put forward a proposal for the English, the English team to have a warm-up game against the Exiles. Yeah. So, essentially, they're going to get three days to prepare after a grand final for the Exiles game, if they play them, and then they're going to have another four days after that to get ready for an, a World Cup opening match against I think it's New Zealand or Tonga, one of the two. So, the English players and some of the coaches are actually blowing up on one hand saying we don't have enough time to prepare, on the other hand going, well, how is this helping English preparations for the World Cup? I would tell them, uh, I would look at the other foot saying, so you're telling me you've got players playing all the way up to only nine days out, so you'll have the fittest and players who have had the least time off uh, going into a comp where generally it takes a couple of games to get your skills and all fit yeah all that sort of stuff but um i don't th- yeah, see so it as an issue whatsoever if they verse the exiles put the players in who didn't make the grand final bring the players in from their grand final use your first world cup game as a warm-up because generally your top three teams will get through last world cup things change a little bit 
uh, with Tonga strengthening, I'd be looking at it as a positive rather than as a negative. Nine days no. is a long time. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I agree. I'm just saying, I'm just explaining to everyone who listens to our podcast that's the case. And there's a bit of a blow up over in England about it. I 100% agree with you, but, well, you know, when Sean Wayne's involved, someone's going to have a whinge. Sean Wayne, yes. He, yeah. he most definitely will. So, yeah. I guess that's good news if they're heads off the off the game. Um, all right. We had a little bit of feedback from one of the listeners going into this season was an idea oh, no. of us hosting a tipping comp through the Six Again podcast. And we have set one up. It will be on footytips.com.au, which is run by ESPN. It will be live basically from this Sunday. Um, just keep checking back if it's going to be early, but I plan to drop it this Sunday during our Sunday night recording episode. But between now and then, if you want to sign up and set up a profile, go to www.footytips.com.au. Uh, create a profile if you haven't got one on there already. And we'll be running two comps, a standard tipping comp where you pick your eight winners each week. If you do miss a round, you'll get the lowest score minus one. If you get all eight, you'll get a bonus point. Um, and there'll be two joker rounds in there, which are worth double in rounds 15 and 20. But you can read that in all of the rules. We're also doing a streak comp where one of your eight teams you can pick to definitely win. And the longer you keep that going, um, the more chance you have to win. Whoever gets the longest streak through the season will win. And we're currently putting together prize packs, but we're going to continue to work on that over the season to try and come up with the best prizes for our top three finishers. Jared and I will both be participating. Uh, obviously, if we do win, we'll be donating the prizes to the highest people who aren't us on the table. But thank you very much for that feedback, Kieran. And we will be yeah, dropping that live on Sunday night. Bit of a reminder as well, jump on the Twitter. I've put up a poll with regards to the jersey rankings, whether you guys agreed with us on last episode. Still waiting for Jared to send me through his so I can put it up on the Facebook one. Well, I put it, I sent it to you last night. Through what? Facebook. Did not. I'm literally looking at it right now. Through our messenger? Yes. Oh, bloody hell. All right, I'm not editing this out anyway. I'm, I'm really tired. <laughs> Okay, there you go. <laughs> also, Jersey rankings, and you said all good. Anyway, um, we do have footy tipping comp. There's two there, so come on and try and – actually, you probably will most likely beat us. Uh, but we'll drop that Sunday night, and it will be – the link will be in the – Right up for this right episode. Up. Thank you. I just had a mind blank for this episode and the next one and next Wednesday as well uh, for kickoff for next Thursday night. All right, I guess the, I'm not going to say biggest news, but most, I guess, controversial news or talkative news that has come out of the NRL world today is Kalen Ponga was a guest on Andrew Voss's uh, new radio show slash podcast down in Sydney. And t he was talking about how he'd love to see players' names on the back of NRL jerseys instead of just the numbers. I believe he's saying he'd love to get a Roger Tuivasa-Shek jersey before he goes to Rugby Union in case he doesn't come back at some point. And, it, and it's raised, I guess, a question we've had a fair few times over the last few years. Should players' names be on the back of jerseys? And I weighed in on 
uh, Twitter, members of the public weighed in on Twitter, as did players and, and media personalities. And it seems as though the majority who are in the negative don't want to see it happen stems around, in my opinion only, um, very superficial issues where the positive outcome of this is way more significant than some of the, um, I think, downsides that, to me, uh, would be quite easy to get around. What's your overall opinion of players' names on jerseys? Jared? Yeah, I like it. I reckon it'd be... Um, I, I know Adam's going to talk about the revenue side of things, but, like... <laughs> People like me and Adam, when we're watching football, and you know who you are, you can tell who someone is by a side shot of them, or you can tell some of them if you just look from like the chest down and how they run. Like you can tell who they are um, for for a lot of them. On the other hand, you know you got people who are around rugby league or not, they can't tell the difference between players. They'll be able to tell yeah. them straight away, and the they'll be able the to game. find. Yeah, so that's an easy way to do it. And look. I always compare it to other sports. Every other sport in the world does it. Yep. Um, there's no... Like, AFL, no. I don't think. AFL, no. You look at soccer. You look at... Um, well, cricket union, now. not as much. Cricket much do it now, yeah. Yeah, cricket. So uh, Basketball. And football. look, it's going to happen, despite anyone's protest as it is, because it's already in a rugby league. Look at Origin. Look at Australia. Yeah. So it's going to happen. It's just... um. People got to stop leaving alone because there's literally no relevant argument to stop in it. Yeah, the, the there's always sides. The downsides that I most saw today was it's against the tradition of the game. Um, no, it's not. And the same people making that argument saying jerseys are fine, uh, sponsors are fine because sponsors have been on jerseys since the seventies and they're iconic. Um, there's so many wrong, uh, things. Not incorrect with that statement, but just wrong with that statement. If you're, yeah. I'd much rather see my favorite player's name on the back of a jersey than a sponsorship. And well, if you look at it, oh, sorry, you go. yeah, so sorry. But what I was saying was the only reason sponsors got put on is raise money. Yep. That, that's yeah. the sponsors pay for that jersey to be on to pay the club that's made you sponsor. Putting jerseys on it will get money from the public. Yes. Putting names on jersey will get money from the public. So, Yes. That's more revenue. So you add sponsors and players' names, you'll get money. Oh, I just don't understand. And it's 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 just a balancing. And the other the other argument is players change clubs, players change positions. Um, are you going to get numbers printed up for this jersey and this player and rah rah rah? They're two separate issues. On game day, you're going to have a starting seventeen. The club can get a thing of jerseys done up in a day if they need to, like. We can, at a, at our school we can order through bloody Mad-Eye or BLK or Canterbury or whatever, get our club logo, get our school logo numbers, all that done, and we can get it within a week. So I'm sure an NRL club can get it printed in a day if they need to. Now you're starting 17 that gets named. Um, they're the ones who wear the one to 17 jerseys with their names on it. Your 18th man will be number 18 with their name on the back of the jersey. All that's fine if there's a double injury or whatever in the warm-up yeah you might have a player running out there with number 19 or 20 who doesn't have the name on the back who cares that's just for that's for game day uh numbers whatever that sort of stuff helps play helps people sorry who are new to the sport 
identify the players. Even at stadiums like Suncorp or ANZ, where you can be over 100 metres away from the players, numbers obviously helps. But if you see a long name compared to a short name, if someone switched position, um, names will help. But the big thing, and this is what the NRL, I hope, will start doing pretty soon, is your big sports worldwide, one of their biggest revenue streams is jersey sales. And a lot of NRL fans that I know have more American sports jerseys than they do NRL jerseys because they're cheaper and you can rep your favorite player, not just your favorite team. Now, how many kids out there do you think would be begging their mum or dad to get them a Jonathan Thurston jersey if he was still playing? Not a Cowboys jersey, a Jonathan Thurston jersey. Thurston, number seven. Um, manly kids are going to be wanting to get Trebojevic, number one, um, all that sort of stuff. And if you're a solidified player at a solidified position, the club should be marketing the hell out of those players in the jerseys and getting them in Rebel Sport and stuff for sale. Because most Rebel Sports have five or six jerseys per team, and it's only different because they range in size. Um we're talking before the podcast. You're not going to be able to go in and get a number 16 Alex Glenn jersey, most likely. But there's no sport in the world that jerseys for every single person and every single number of their team. You can get I still it. Still like my solution better. You can get it personally done online, but we're talking, um, it'll be. Flanagan, seven, would be a Bulldogs jersey now. You'd have um, Ponga, one, for Newcastle. Tuovasashek, one, at Warriors. And you could be at the game going, I love Manly, but um, Jake Trebojevic is my favourite player on Manly, so I've got a Trebojevic Manly jersey. That would, to me, in my opinion, and seeing that out there, greatly outweigh some nitty... uh, bottom line little superficial issues that the clubs have to deal with on a daily on a game day only basis trying to get their jerseys ready their training jerseys on them my solution is go old school so someone as i mentioned we've had sponsors since the 70s in the 60s 70s 80s what nrl used to do is they used to rank their players yeah yeah one to 30 so Number one obviously got fullback. There wasn't ranked best players, best by position. Yeah. So, you know, number eight was lock back in the day. So you wore number eight as that. And then the eighteenth guy used to be the first replacements for say fullback yeah. or front row. So if you got a guy walking on with twenty three, there's an injury, but he's come in to replace someone, you still know who it is. Yeah, but the thing with that is if you're starting number 10 out for six weeks, you don't want to have the number 24 running on the field for six weeks. But that's how it used to be done. Yeah, but that's that's, how it used to be done. That's confusing as hell still. But the the point is new people to come in and be able to see, one, what position they play and the player. Clubs get a new kit Uh, every week. They never wear the same jersey twice. They're redoing them every week anyway. There's no... Yeah, I, I, I just like I, I just like old school. I really like that old school ranking system. And then you know what? The preview, the previous, um, you know, the next, sorry, the next um, off season that comes around, they could have a um, competition who gets number ten. So someone's pushing it. So when the when the first team comes around, 
that's going to know. You're going to know when they release their yeah. top 30 who's going to be your best seven. I love that. Yeah, but that's then so if you have cool. a mid-season signing and you get someone who's a one to seven that's... and they come in, they're going to have to be number... Doesn't matter. It's just doesn't dumb. Matter. It really doesn't. No, it does. It does. honestly doesn't matter. We had this argument before the podcast. If Cameron Murray came in and played for the Cowboys, he doesn't deserve the number 13 jersey. He can stick with 30, okay, until he gets better than Tamalolo. No, it doesn't make any sense. The difference, I think, here is NRL positions, the numbers actually mean something for that position. They don't just mean something for that player. You can do that stuff in the NBA, in the ice hockey, all that sort of stuff where the numbers don't mean anything with regards to a position. In the NRL, the numbers still matter to a position. And if you're wearing number 23 or 24, you know the player, you have no idea what position they're playing, especially if you're new to the game. It means absolutely nothing. If, say, like you say, Cam Murray moved to the Cowboys, you could still buy South Sydney jerseys with Murray 13 because he was that player there. Once he's established a position in the Cowboys, obviously it wouldn't be locked. You might then be able to buy a Murray 11 Cowboys jersey. I, I respect your – I don't agree with it, but I respect it. My point is, is that what the all the arguments that we've come up with blow the it-doesn't-work argument out of the water. So there's no justification why this can't work. I think we can both agree on Like, honestly, yeah. it's just – this will be a cool initiative. And did you ever – because Adam was looking at costings and revenue, yeah. how much they have got in the last – what three years, two years, or whatever it was. Yeah. And the amount of money generated from this, from jersey sales, is tiny. Jersey sales is tiny. We personally believe this is going to blow up because, you know, like Adam said, you got an eight year old kid who watches footy and you see Roger Tuivasa Shek's goose step or yeah. someone who does something really flary and runny. And like, you know, like um, when Benji Marshall in 04, 03, was doing that thing. Yeah. How many jerseys would have sold from him? Like, it is just ridiculous how much. And, like, going back to Roger Tulevasa-Shek, how many young Kiwi boys would have bought him and Sean Johnson jerseys back in the day? Yeah. Like, it is just ridiculous. Yeah, it's like you got Christmas sales would have just explode. And the other thing as well, in today's world of supporters, especially with the younger generations, most of them literally do not give a crap about some of the teams. They just love the players. And LeBron yeah. James is the best example of this, where people have a Cavaliers, a Miami Heat, and an LA Lakers jersey, all of James, because that's their favorite. He's their favorite player. If your favorite player was Jai Arrow at the Titans, um, and you're a young kid, but you don't really care about the Titans, you just love Jai Arrow, all of a sudden you've gone from having an Arrow Titans jersey to now a Rabbitohs Titans jersey, and that's an extra jersey that never would have been sold. Um, it's like so that same as the upside. I, I guarantee you that a Broncos supporter, two thousand and well after two thousand fifteen probably wouldn't have said no to a, a Jonathan Burson jersey, like Broncos? after he beat him. Well, after he beat him in the grand final. Oh. But there's players like that in the NRL who you can't not respect for their ability. You can re- not like them because they're playing against you. Yeah. But you sit there and go, that's amazing. And they're, they're the jersey that sells so well. And that's what the NRL needs to look into. That's the next step in their revenue. Hopefully it gets so. to the point where you've got name, number, and one sponsor maybe on the front on either side. 
small ones that is the brand and one other thing. We're talking about point on this. Origin had their names on it. You can't even buy Origin jerseys with the players' names and numbers anyway. So that might be the simple first step. Um, we're gonna yeah, but put there you and bite them too much in the into... apple pie on that one. <laughs> You're not going to get rid of sponsors. I know, I know. I know, I know. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> um, we'll leave it there on that one. We'll come back with signings and injuries before we get into our X Factor list for the teams for 2021. Yeah. All right. Big signings from today. We have, <coughs> sorry, Jerome Hughes has rejected a an offer from the New Zealand Warriors. They did offer him over $2 million for a three-year contract to play fullback for the Warriors. He said no and has recommitted to the Storm for the same period of time to be their starting halfback or continue to be their starting halfback. So it basically means Warriors are still going to be in the market throughout the season. Next season, they'll find someone to replace Roger Tuivasa-Shek. This is so interesting. Very, it's, I can't wait to see. Like, we'll have a look at players that are off contracts, I guess, as we well, get, so. I, I just mean what happens. There's so much change that happened at Melbourne. And Jerome Hughes would have to fully believe what's going on. And I guarantee he had insurances not only position-wise, but who his coach is going to be next year. See, the thing is, Melbourne are not letting anything out as far as what's happening there. But there's no way in hell Melbourne don't have a plan for next year. They they know what's going on. Oh, 100%. And holding on to me is more important than holding on to Addo Carl Vunavalu. That's right. Because you can, while they they might be more talented i guess so like speed agility all that sort of thing wise it is easier to train up and replace a winger than it is to train up and replace a halfback there's a reason that craig bellamy well he wasn't happy about it but he was he out of okay brody croft leaving but the shittest option that, oh, sorry no the better of the shit option was letting go of greg inglis Oh yeah, back in what 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 in Brian Hoffman back in um, salary cap, they're letting yeah. go of Billy Slater, Cam Smith, and Cooper Crump because he knew those those three positions are harder to train, like Adam said. Then, yeah. unfortunately, Greg Inglis's talent, and this is no disrespect to Greg Inglis at all. Uh, Bradman Best, uh, we hinted last week he was going to be signing on with Newcastle. He has uh, through the end of the twenty twenty four season. Uh, looked like a pretty easy signing. He stated that himself and the family love the club. They love the area. They want to stay there and continue his career as a Knight. Um, so that's really good news for the Newcastle Knights. And they've also announced that Daniel Saifidi and Jaden Braley will be co-captains for the team's round one match against the Bulldogs um, in round one. And I think they were the main two... Yeah, and Tom and Monet, we've already covered that one. With regards to injuries, now this is big news for the Canberra Raiders. Jared Croker was listed to be missing till at least round five, but news has come out today that he's been given the all clear to resume full squad training. So that's over a month ahead of time. He's been training with the squad for the past few weeks, it's come out, but can now participate in all of the contact sessions. And a decision for his availability for round one will be made closer to the game. So that is absolutely massive. Uh, Jared and I did our 2021 season preview of Canberra on our last episode. And they were the center and wing uh, on that side was pretty much the only position trying to, yeah, trying to fix up because Croker leaves such a big hole there. 
So if he's back round one or even round two, depending on how he pulls up from contact, it's a huge uh, plus for Canberra. Uh, whereas Harry Grant has definitely been re- ruled out for the opening three rounds after scans revealed a high-grade medial ligament strain. Uh, we knew it was a medial ligament. We didn't know what grade it was going to be. So that's three weeks. Brandon Smith is going to be replacing him. But unfortunately, to compound that for Melbourne, uh, they'll be missing Dale Finucane for the opening six rounds, was it, Jared? No, round... He's tore his left calf muscle. So it's eight-week recovery. So that means he'll be potentially back in round eight. Um, yeah, that's it. That's, that's a bittersweet that's week for him. He's got, not, got named captain last week, and now he's bloody so torn his calf muscle. The weight of expectation has literally torn his calf. Uh, yeah. So you and Storm now, no Harry Grant. So Brendan Smith comes in as your replacement hooker. Um but then Dale Finucane's now injured. And if Harry Grant was playing, Brendan Smith would be the most logical replacement at lock. We'd know Tino, Fasamawali there anymore. So if you've got Brendan Smith going into hooker, who's going to go into lock? Whoever it is, is going to be a significant downgrade from uh, Finucane and a downgrade, you'd assume, from Brendan Smith. Tom Eisenhuth. Uh, no, I already know. Solomona. No, I reckon Asafa Solomona. Yeah, that's, that's he played lock. Yeah, he played lock, and then you just bring in. I I think they'll bring in someone like Darren Shawnee, to be honest, or Isaac. No, he's a winger. Yeah, um, because winger. other than Darren Shawnee, they got Chris Lewis. Yeah, so and, uh, second row. No, he's second row. But like other than because the the team I picked. They had two really big guys on the bench, Asafa Solomona and Kamikamika. Um, I think he'll bring in a like a bigger dude just to cover that thing, and then he'll have the utility and a roving second roller to go there. So I wouldn't be surprised if Darren Shonig is the guy who gets called up. Cool. All right. Um, that's pretty much everything with regards to injuries and signings and all the other news bits and all that sort of stuff there. Uh what we will do now is go into our X Factor round. So what we've done here is Jared has picked a player for eight teams. I picked a player for eight teams. We're just working off the ladder as it stands before the season started. So I picked the players for Broncos down to Warriors. Jared's picked the players from Knights through to Tigers. And we've selected players who we believe are the X Factor for their team. Now, an X factor to us is not the best player on the team. So we're not going to be picking a James Tedesco, even though he's obviously has X factor. We know it's expected of him. We know what he can do and he does it consistently. What our grounds for this were, we've picked a player who we believe if they play to their potential, either as a rookie coming into the league, if they get back to their best from a couple of down seasons, if they can be on the field all season because uh, they've had injury scares in the past, whatever that sort of stuff is, if they play their best football, it will have the biggest impact on their team with regards to positive net outcomes. So whether that be finals, top four, grand final. Yeah. So, so it can, and it's also, yeah. sorry. Yeah. It's also that player that a lot of teams, a lot of fans 
don't give as much credit to for their performances as well. Oh, so I can. Those, like, like, okay, so for example, okay, we'll go. I know I always go back to it, but Newcastle, everyone goes, Pong is the greatest player, like the best player in their team. But without other players around him doing all those little things, his impact is lessened because of that. And these are the kind of players we're talking about. Yeah, I haven't done any players like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, these are the players, if they play their best football, it will increase uh, their yeah. three or four spots on the ladder from having oh, yeah. a huge yeah. impact on their game. They have, I kind to of... their, they have to play their best for their team to succeed. Yeah, yeah. And this is where I, I, I did that, but I just like, I'm not, like I'm saying, I'm not picking the Tedesco's, I'm not picking the Pogos, yeah, okay. I'm picking other players in the team. All right. I'm picking the My... obvious ones. Are we, how about we alternate? I'll go one, you go one. Yeah. So yeah. I started with the Brisbane Broncos. To me, this ended up being a pretty easy pick. Um, this guy has to get back to his best form, which has been missing for almost four years now. There were like glimpses of it in two games last year. If this guy is fit and firing all year, he gets put in the same position and has consistency with selection and effort. To me, um, he's worth three, four, five wins, and that's Anthony Milford. And there's really yeah. other decision for me for the Broncos. Um, are there other players in that team who are a more all-round player? Yeah. Are there any, or are there many players on that team with more elite skill and talent that they can put on show? To me, no. Yeah. If if he plays to his best, his running game is keeping the defense constantly guessing, not passing, running it. He's been a reason the Broncos haven't fired. And if he fires, that's enough for them, for Brady Croft to be under less pressure and all their other rookies. To me, he's there. He's the key for the Broncos this year. If he doesn't get back to that, they won't improve. Yeah, so I 100% agree. My criticism of him last year, I didn't think he was overly fit coming out of COVID. And the big thing for him, if he had a good off-season, and remember, this is also a contract year for him as well. So if he has a good off-season and was fit and firing and doesn't sustain injuries, he he honestly has the potential to light up the entire competition. So yeah, you're right. We've already said that he's come back from a broken hand in training, so hopefully he's right for round one. All yeah. right. Take us to the, I guess, the Knights would be your first team. Yeah. My my ones uh, signed last year um, through his ATL in the second game, and that's Jaden Braley. Um, yeah, yeah. I honestly thought he he could have gone far for Dalian Hooker of the year for those first two games. He was killing it. And it re- looked really good because when he came to Newcastle, he wasn't overly known for a runner. He ran a lot in those first two games and set up, I think, two two try assists in those two games. Um, yeah, and then after that, hookers just started tumbling after he tore his ACL at Newcastle. But I just think that that combination he can create for a full, two full pre-seasons now and get some game time under his belt, he can be one of the top hookers in the NRL. Um, oh, huge. I hope so. If, yeah, I hope If he so. can get that pack moving forward, you imagine Ponger and Best running at defences who are retreating as opposed to yeah. like year where Bess in his rookie year had to try and run over people, sometimes yeah. literally from stationary. Yeah, good selection. I, um, Yeah, 100% agree with that. I, I'm looking at my list going, I think six of my eight are just so obvious um, yeah. in that 
I think six of my eight, uh, sorry, five of my eight are just bounce backs. But anyway, Canberra Raiders, again, to me, this actually, this one wasn't as obvious, I guess, due to the position he plays. But since this guy left and then came back, Canberra hasn't been the attacking force that they were. And yes, he was the recipient. I hate this guy. I know. I know he's a recipient for a lot of the, the last ball, but when he's on, he was coming infield looking for runs, um, actually assisting in tries on the other side of the field based on his runs out of his own own zone. And if we talked last week with Canberra, what they need to do this year is get more secondary scoring outside of Whiten and Charles Nickel Clockstad, etc. Jordan Rapana has to get back to 15 tries this year, minimum, for them to have a chance of taking an extra step, getting to the grand final and winning it. He has to be back showcasing what he can do, running over wingers, chipping and chasing around them, stepping and palming, finishing like he's one of the best finishers in the league. He was a shadow of that last year. Um, and yeah. been getting used to not having Leilua and might have been used to having to play center, which because they were short in the back line, whatever it is, he's worth 15 tries a season generally. He has to do that this year. Um, in that back line because Curtis Scott's not going to do it and Jared Croker's not going to do that. He has to be the one to be putting the points on the board and to I, succeed. I hope that for him personally, that there's no not many injuries in their back line because he cannot play center again. Mm. That harmed him and the team so much because his defensive reads at center yeah. were not flat. Horrible. They were horrible. Okay. My guy, my one is the Cowboys. Oh, and okay. it really annoys me in this team that this guy Got doesn't it. get doesn't get his position set down. Like there's no set position for this team. He has so much talent. Scott Drinkwater. Yeah. So much talent. Like this guy was the heir apparent to Billy Slater originally before he had a few knee injuries. Mm. It is ridiculous. And the fact that he doesn't go, mate, you're playing six. Mate, you're playing one at the start of the preseason. There's still debate over what position he's going to play. He can light up any game, anytime, anywhere. He is that talented. And they need to give him, put him in a position where he's going to get the ball as much as he can in the most confident positions he can. Because he, I see that Cowboys team, I'm legitimately afraid of him just ripping any team apart. He, I, I, I rate him that highly. I would have had him in my top five. I don't think I would have had him first. I would have had two players definitely ahead of him. I'd have to have a look more at their their uh, roster. But I can definitely see why. And I 100% agree. He just needs consistent selection because it's going to be really interesting to see what Peyton does with Holmes being there on that money. I, I'm still I'm still a big fan of putting him at fullback and Holmes on the nah, we'll see what happens. Drinkwater's, a, I think, their best positions. I know you won't like it. Morgan, steering the team around. Clifford, being a bit flash. Holmes on the wing. Fidel on the other wing. And Drinkwater at the back. I think that's the most dangerous yeah, combination they can have. That's what I just said. Well, you, you, I, just, I just know you don't like Morgan. Oh, I'd, I'd put Morgan at fullback than I would anywhere else, but he's, I think he's too injury riddle for that anyway. Um, Bulldogs. Now, this one was interesting because they've got a new coach. So it would have been so hard. Um, 
not a whole lot of talent to choose from from last year. And I ended up going with one of the new signings because what I ended up doing here is what position um, will they have the biggest upgrade in due to someone that they've brought in? And then what impact will that position have on the rest of the team? So Kotrick coming in is a huge upgrade on their um, back line. Um, uh, Hetherington, Hetherington? Yeah. Yeah, he, he came in, yeah. Or did he go to the Warriors? No, he was on trial. Um, big upgrade. Um, the new Dylan Napper, basically. I almost thought of putting Dylan Napper in, but I picked Kyle Flanagan. If he does for the Bulldogs what he did for the Roosters last year, even though it wasn't flashy enough for some people, Bulldogs had no direction last year. They had effort. They had players rocking up, tackling their heart out. But when they got the ball, the amount of wasted ball they used, all that defense was null and void. All that effort was null and void because when they had the ball, it was turned over so quickly. So it was being kicked dead. It was getting dropped. There was no repeat sets. All the stuff that Kyle Flanagan is good at. If he can steady that ship and just control possession and control field position, to me, that will go so far into getting the Bulldogs on the right track. Um, is it going to be enough to get the Bulldogs in the finals? No, but to me, he to me is the definition of what we were talking about. The upgrade at halfback for them is bigger than any other upgrade at any other position um, for that yeah. team, in my opinion. Yeah, see, um, the problem the Bulldogs had last year, that great attitude... They hit hard, they ran hard, but it could not finish. And this is what Flanagan could bring. Like they, yeah. they always got in the right position. But then they just kind of like they they're really good at earning their shot. But then when their shot comes, they're just like, oh fuck, what do we do now? Like yeah, it's, it's like, really They were like Jim off American Pie. <laughs> oh Nadia. That was brilliant. Nadia. I You're almost so put Dylan. I always put Dylan Hub up because he's been horrible the last two years and they need to go forward. But then I was like, what are they going to do if they got it? They yeah. weren't doing anything with go forward last year. That's why I went funny. Right. Um, my next pick for Penrith is actually my next two picks Ooh. are super boring, but they're so important. For Penrith, without this guy, Cleary does not do what he does. Um, their team does not move forward. It's Coruscant. They do not. He for Penrith, Apostar, Corrissa. You know that, is? yeah. Yeah, no. I'm um, just to me, that's probably the first one that goes against the uh, clarification or sort of thing because I thought he was brilliant last year. Like, what's so he? I think that without Tamo and Tedovano this year, Corrissa's job becomes so much more important in leadership and holding that middle. So, you know, Tamo was one of the most underrated front rollers in the competition last year just because he, you know, had the most meters up through the middle and stuff like that. They've got to cover that. Plus, Tedovano was probably the most underrated player in the last six, seven years in the NRL, how good he was. He won two premierships in a row. With, well, I think he won three premierships, to be honest. No, he was going for uh, three in a row. No, but before that, before the two in a row, I think he won another one before that. Um, either way, so they've lost so much experience in go forward. He's going to have to control that. He's going to have to step his game up to another level. And that's what I'm saying. 
to cover. Like he's yeah, he he's got to get that for that young forward pack moving forward. And I think that's um, without him, they don't win. And well, I think he's got him, to yeah, they yeah without him. No, but I think he's got to do better. Mm. My point is, he's got to actually do better next year than what he's been doing the last couple of years. Well, that that's boss, huge right? because we both. We both picked him as our New South Wales dummy half. And yep. to do better, the only person he was going to be better than was Cameron Smith. Yeah, he has to do better. better Honestly, I think... Yeah, no, he has to be Cameron Smith level next year. He has the potential. Oh, no, he doesn't. Yeah, no he has the to come close. I think he, him and Maybe Josh Hodgson are the only ones... Him and, him and Josh Hodgson right now in the form they're in are the only ones who can come close to him right now. Uh, Harry Grant in a couple of years, I, I imagine. But I just think he has to do better. I has to, He has to get closer to Cam Smith. See, I, 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 if I was going to pick Coruscant, I'd just say he has to do what he did last year. No, nah, he has to get better. He has to, when things are going down, Tamo called for the ball last year. So did, he has to make sure those young forwards run Get up, but this year it's, he doesn't have any backup this year. No senior right. plays behind him. It's your job to pick Penrith. I'm not gonna. It's the first one I disagree <laughs> with. I think you were going. Who would you pick, Penrith? There. Well, I don't know. I didn't look into it because it wasn't the teams I was looking at. Uh, my second pick was Dylan Edwards. Top of my head. My second pick was Dylan uh, Edwards. See, Dylan Edwards would just be injury, um, which is kind of what leads to my next player. Uh, I'm. I'm no, you're putting me on the spot here too much. I'm at their other starting prop. Fisher Harris and... Wasn't Tarmel. Oh, Leota. Uh, yeah. No, I don't know. I can't think off the top of my head. Um, My my guy is literally just injury. But... So I've got my, my next team's Cronulla, which I found to be quite a hard team because of how much change that they've had for injuries across the board. And this one, like Milford, like Rapana, this is a bounce back, um, but not due to form, due to injury. This guy, when he was playing at his best last year, to me was when Cronulla looked the best. His combination with Sean Johnson, while Chad, while Chad Townsend was out, to me was still the best Cronulla attacking football we've seen in a couple of years. And this is a, the most obvious answer I've got out of my eight, which is Matt Moylan. No, Jesus. $900,000, which is crazy money to start with anyway for someone who was that injury prone before they brought him here. If he plays a quarter of the games, Sharks don't make the finals. They got lucky last year, in my opinion, because they didn't beat anyone in the top eight. If he plays half the games, I've got them in the top half of the bottom half, bottom half of the top. If he plays three quarters of the games... And he's paired up with Sean Johnson for the majority of those because I still think that's a better halves pairing overall um, with regards to scoring points, you know, and Chad Townsend will be there. Him playing a whole season injury-free, to me, upgrades the entire squad more than any other player there. Yeah. Because he and Chad Townsend can form a partnership if Sean Johnson is out injured because he's also injury-prone. Um but they missed that when he, as soon as he got injured last year, everything fell upon Johnson. And we talked about, he was 
lights out for three or four five weeks in a row before he got injured. Chad Townsend doesn't do that. That's not the sort of player he is. Even if all three of them are fit and firing, Moylan goes to fullback, it still keeps them up here as opposed to a, a averaging to below average team. So to me, that was a pretty obvious one. And, and it's just down to injury because when he was not injured last year, his form was really good. Yeah, he... Like, when he came onto the scene, um, I actually considered him, because that New South Wales had that transition of captaincy, so I, I actually almost considered him as a future captain for New South Wales. And then he just kind of... Because he had he has the leadership there, mm. but he has the potential to be in the New South Wales squad for a long time back then. And that was just to show how good he was when he first yeah. came on the scene. But injuries and... Yeah, bullshit at Penrith, and then yeah, it just slowed him down so much. And like I've said, if you get him a few years under his belt, like he has, he's right, he's running out of years. So that's the thing. I think this yeah, is his yeah, last he, big money deal, unless he gets through this. Yeah, injury. but that's that's my point. Like, like this year, he can he can just keep building on years. So if he's even got three years left, or whatever, however old he is, if his body holds up, in that second or third year, he can. Close to being Dally M. He has the potential. Yeah, oh, definitely. So. I'm not going to say this is how highly I rate him, but he's one of the players I immensely dislike. And the players (laughs) I immensely dislike are generally very good players. Like, (laughs) Badiris, Johns, Ricketson, Matt Gidley. um, I'm trying to think of teams that were really. Jason Taylor. Yeah, uh, Terry Hill, and he actually played for Manly. But players that I immensely dislike is because I respect how good they are, and I hate how they rip my team to shreds. Uh, ben Kennedy, I really oh my god, Castle, and I that, found it so hard to support him when he came to Manly. Um, and Matt Moylan can't not playing can't for Penrith. Not. I detest. It. I just like I just mm, hate this guy. And then he's come and score a hat trick against me. I'm like, yeah, that, that's why. So, uh, I I know what he can do for a team, and yeah, that's why I picked him. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So my next one was South Sydney, and this guy was Ooh, my this will, player this, to, to me. This would be hard because they no, nah, this guy, this guy, it, it was my player to watch when we did preview South Sydney. Is Campbell Graham? Um, he oh, okay. another yeah, that's guy. A good pick. Yeah, yeah, right. he has so much potential, but. This back line is so full of established stars that he can learn so much of these blokes off these guys and then create a reputation of his own being the really tall, rangy, massively built center See, in that back line. That's the um, thing, what you just said then. He has to create a reputation for his own. So for, yeah. for him to be their X, X factor, in your opinion, what does he have to do this year to outshine... Dane Gagai, Latrell Mitchell, Josh Mansour. Uh, he's brilliant. That's, yeah, but honestly, put a number he, on it. What do you reckon? What what number? Is how, many, how many tries does he have to score this year? Um, above eighteen. Above eighteen. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Jeez, as a center. Yeah, yeah. Would that be a hundred percent? No. Wait on. Above eighteen. I was going to say twelve, but. No, nah, above above eighteen and at least, you know, last touch try assist nine or ten times. 
that's honestly one the how highly I rate him, and two, he has such a good opportunity in this backline to do that. So if he becomes a player that Cody Walker wants to play near at all times, that Latrell Mitchell always chimes in around, like. If you're the dominant side on this lethal ass back line that, Cowboys, yeah. uh, that South have, you're doing something well. And if you want to be the double dominant side, he has to. Well, that the center is going to be the biggest, biggest, you know, Schwartz beneficiary of. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I, I, he, he has the potential, but if he's just sitting on his heels and going, I'll wait for the ball to come to me, and only scores, you know, nine, ten, eleven tries just because. Of what's going to be created around him with Latrell Mitchell brilliant, Freddie Walker brilliant, yeah. Adam Reynolds brilliant. That's not fulfilling his potential. Um, so yeah. I'm just so going to I... give you some numbers here. So again, we're going back to 25 games, so not 20 from last year. So keep that in mind. Um, looking at the top 10 try scorers from last year, and some of these players played 22 because they got to finals as opposed to 20. Um, how many centers were in the top 10? Probably none. One. Who was it? Uh, Stephen Crichton, who scored 17 tries in 22 yeah. games. Do you, know okay. came, do you know who came 11? Who? Campbell Graham. 13, okay. 13 tries in 21 yeah. games. So your actual 18 in 25 could be doable. Alex Johnson scored 23 in 22 games. But so this is how I see that top it. ten are wingers, except oh, Jack White, oh, who came ten. Or oh, oh, on the other side of things, like if Adam went back the last six, seven years, we talked about this a few podcasts ago as well. That centers, center, a great center has become a diner. It hasn't really happened in the last couple of years. It's, you all you have to do is look at Origin, like I said. Now we have this cat as well. You've got Stephen Crichton. Bradman Best, Campbell Graham, Katoni Staggs. You've got genuine centres coming through the mm. ranks. I believe for that reason, that stat's going to change. It's not just going to be one centre in the top 10. It's going to be three or four just because we've actually got really solid centres playing in a real right now. I can see that. I extended it yeah. to 15. Looked at the top 15 try scorers from last year. Um, two centres. In the top yep. 15, but one fullback. That okay. surprised me looking at that. So if you look at triceps, that'll be different. It would so, be. yeah. One so fullback, I, one five eight, two centers, all the rest are wingers. I think if you look in the next five years, that is going to significantly drop in wingers and add more centers into that. Just because yeah. of how many really quality centers are coming through the system. And how many, how much money I believe in the next major contract rounds on those make when the, when the next when the salary cap gets um, increased, I think yeah. a lot more money is going to be put into the actual centers anymore, and people are looking for it now because, like I said, there's probably about six yeah. or six or seven young, really quality centers coming through. That everyone's kind of like, holy fuck, come through. So I can't wait. It's gonna be great. Anari Tuwala was the highest Knights try scorer last year. I bet you wouldn't have. What, well, do you have like four? 11. Wow. Look at that. Yeah, no, I didn't think so. Um, I found this next one hard. I've got two, the first two names 
I was like, yeah, I like that. Oh, not scratch it out. I like this guy better. Not scratch it out. And then I went for the third one. It's the only team I did that with, which was the Titans. I started with Tyrone Peachy. If you got a consistent role and scratch that out. And then I was like, you know what the Titans have never had is a good center pairing. And if Brian Kelly can do what he did last year, now they've got Patrick Herbert. I was like, that would be a big improvement. But then I was like, you know what else they haven't had? The same dummy half for a long period of time like they had when Nathan Friend was there. You remember how good Nathan Friend was for the Titans and how much of a difference he made when he left? It kind of reminds me of Jake Friend in not running the ball. He just tackles 60 times a game. Yeah, but 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 he was effective when he ran. And now that Nathan Peets is gone, and I know Tanner Boyd's there, but this guy's still a step above him. If I feel like he's the same as what we're talking about with Campbell, um, not Campbell Graham, one of the other guys, how many chances he's got and how much potential this guy has. I pick Mitch Rain for the Titans because honestly, one of the most boring hookers in the competition. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Second preseason with Justin Holbrook. If he can add literally one element to his game, which is run the damn ball, rather than just get there, pass and tackle, I was thinking in my head how much of a difference that would make to that overall team. I was thinking of players like Tino, David Fafida, Herman S.A.S.A., Otter Waker, who found out what it was like last year to be running off a flat ball with no go forward. If this guy can add one element to his game, which is running the ball and being a little more or being a more aggressive than he usually is and taking a riskier rather than a safe option, the transformation that would make to that entire team would be, in my insane. Insane. Jamal Fogarty is only in his second NRL season. Ash Taylor, yeah. confidence player. If they're playing behind a quarterback moving forward because their dummy half is bringing everyone with them, that would be absolutely massive for the Gold Coast side. It, it's something they've been missing their almost their entire existence. Yeah. Um. Once I settled on that, it just it, everything was clear to me, and I can't see any other player having a bigger impact for them than Mitch Rain if he can add that element. Yeah, you got he, he has all kinds of potential. Okay, my next one is actually um, St. George. So in the last week, for their, well, actually the last couple of weeks for all their trials, and last year, their big, biggest criticism is their four packages get dominated and dominated and dominated. So this guy's probably the most high-profile player we've got oh, in our team. Paul Vaughan. Yeah, that's a great... You need to step up your game, mate. Like, he... he, He's got one of the most bottom-heavy builds in the NRL. Like, his his hips, ass, and legs are huge. And he's got such a long ass head. He'd be be an absolute nightmare to tackle to get a grip on. But his form has been intent, like, parallel with Dragon's drop-off. Like, when he played Origin a couple of years ago, you're like, bam, we've got Paul Warren playing for us. That's epic. He's going to be a massive dude in the middle. But then he just, his form dropped off to a point where the ever-loyal Brad Fittler dropped him. Like, that's massive for Brad Fittler to drop anyway. Yeah. So he must have been out of form pretty bad. Um, I reckon that 
if he can hold that middle for that Dragons and actually start, you know, getting over, regularly getting over 130 metres per game, making 20, 25, 30 tackles like he used to, I think that's going to go a big way in yeah. Dragons actually winning a few games. And Ben Hunt and Corey Norman and Matt Duffy are going to roll. They would hugely benefit for that. Yeah. Because they've taken so, way more criticism than, than Vaughn has, and I 100% agree with you. He used to be one of the top, what, 12 picks? I remember, like, in NRL Fantasy, when he was playing for the Raiders off the bench, I prided myself in picking him up as a sneaky option. So, I mean, this guy's... Yeah, Adam always used to pick him up last because he knew, tactically, that no one else would pick him up. So, he just got him on in the end. Yeah. And then there was, like, three years where he'd go in the top 12. Yeah. It was just... And now, no one would pick him. Um, yeah, and... The deep bench it's option, a, so... It's the same kind of thing with um, Coruscant and Jason Harris and Larkett. Paul, Paul Graham. Paul Graham. Paul Graham. Paul Vaughan. No, no, no. James Graham. James Graham. What the hell? How did that hit back? Oh, no. This guy is the most dominant, like, oldest head in this Dragon's score pack. Yeah. He's really got to step up his game next year. I hope he does because he, I love watching him play. He's just no nonsense. You don't ever see him in a fight, but you wouldn't, like annoy one of these halfbacks yeah. or anything because he'll kill you. And he's bloody fast too. Yeah. All right, um, I've just changed your name, by the way. Um, I'm up to the <laughs> was about his ass. I'm up to the Manly Seagulls again. This is such an obvious answer. Um, Manly's had one half for the last two seasons, and he's had to do everything. Withstanding injury, a out and out five eight is what Manly has needed for the last couple of years. I, I've talked about Dylan Walker actually added a fair bit to Manly through his running game. Um, oh, I can't wait to see him play came along. Kieran Foran's the easiest answer for Manly. I actually thought you would have picked Jake, just because he's got to play back to his potential the last couple of years. That was my True. pick for you pick, your pick. Jake, Jake Travoy, yeah, if he went back to his peak, it's going to improve Manly, no yeah. doubt. Kieran Foran as an out and out five eight will improve more. If it, yeah. it it's a long way to think back, but the the combination with Cherry Evans and Foran for those few years, they came together their first season together. Manly won a premiership um, in two thousand and eleven. Like that's nuts, crazy. And yeah. in all honesty, their two thousand and eleven team wasn't as talented as their two thousand and eighteen. Um, and the the combination they had, the outside inside ball, the the banana kicks back through the middle to Brett Stewart running through, the pressure it takes off Cherry Evans for the fifth tackle option, someone else who can kick and recreate sets, someone else who's a leader and can talk and direct, all that sort of stuff. Obviously, he has to say injury free, which has been his burden. Do you know what? What six seasons? Do you know what? I'm always like, so Foreign went from Manly to New Zealand to Parramatta. No, no to Parramatta to New Zealand. Oh, all right. I've always had such a soft spot for him because I really love him as a player. He's so good, but he goes there and then he's had a, like, like probably five years of really bad injuries and it just keeps getting worse and worse and compounding. Like, he comes back yeah. to a few games, starts getting really informed, then gets injured again. And it's not like a a niggle injury, it's a long-term injury. And it's always different um, parts of his body. Yeah, so I, I always have a soft spot because as soon as he, he gets injured, 
He sits on the sits on the bench and watches the game. Everyone starts blaming him for what's going on. Like a lot of people blamed him for the last two years what happened to Bulldogs. That wasn't his fault. Like, come on. He, um, he, always... And he gets injured because he gets involved. The amount yeah, of times he's I... gotten injured making a tackle or Yeah, or I remember one game from Bulldogs where the fullback was thirty meters away. The opposing team was running down the field and it was about twenty meters from the try line and he was the one who dislocated his shoulder tackling the bastard. Yeah. And then two weeks later they're like, Oh yeah, it's Foran's fault because he got injured. So he's, and he's I'm got like, injured, yeah. Yeah, I, I always had a soft spot because I rate him so high, but it's just been so unfortunate for him in his career. And I really hope and I'm, I hate saying this, but Manly succeed off his back because mm. him and Cherry Evans can go back to when they were 19 playing basketball together or whatever, however old they were. I really oh. hope that happens. And this is something that we always make fun of with Darren Locker and his defense. And now he had Tony Carroll and uh, Gordon Talos and um, other players protecting him in the defensive line. I hope has a, someone in the defensive line to protect for him, for him himself because he can tap. Yeah. He's a good defender, but he gets yeah. hurt making the tackles and putting himself there. I just want the second row to be like, mate, I got this. Stay the hell back. Look after yourself. And it better not be bloody Kishevsky. Um <laughs> Otherwise, Foreman will be doing way more tackling. All right, back to you. All right. We got, my my ones is a – it's actually a bit disrespectful, this one. So my one's a, a young up-and-coming – I believe he's proven at this point. Um, he just needs his... What team are we up to? For a few... Roosters. Oh, yeah, Roosters. Roosters. So, this guy, I think, like I said, very disrespectful. It's Sam Verrills, and I think it's disrespectful to Jake Friend because he's been around for the last 10 years or so. But I reckon that he has so much more flair coming out of dummy half. His running game, his passing game, he's just as good a defensively as friend because he can make those tackles. But I believe that if he... Because you have to come off the bench because it's such a young halves pairing at a halfback. At the and they're not going to yeah replace their captain in it. Yeah, yeah. But I just believe that... I honestly believe there's a few times last year where you can tell Robinson was hesitant about taking barrels or, or the year before, so. He was hesitant about taking Verrills off when Friend came back from mm. his injury because Verrills was playing so well. And obviously, he's the next in line hooker. But I reckon if Verrills has a really good year, potentially off the bench, you know, he's going to start every so often. Next year, Friend might have a tap on the shoulder about how much potential this bloke has. And maybe so that's next year. What, what's your justification for him being the X Factor this year? Because I believe that in that middle, he. When he comes off the bench or if, when he starts, because he will start at one point in the season, that he will create more opportunities through that middle for Tedesco, for Keary, for Walker or whoever that halfback is, um, for Radley. And another thing about it is that when Friend does go off during the game, which he's been doing more and more, he's not playing 80 minutes as much mm. as he used to. With Verrills there, they're not moving, having to move Radley into hooker, they put a genuine hooker on who will create more than friend. So I believe when he's playing to his potential, I think Roosters are a better team just because he creates more in the middle than um, thing. And that's not just saying that he is creating more. 
I'm saying it's because that with his, I just think he's a better hooker. Like he has more of a Cameron Smith player than Jake Friend does. And I think that's what Roosters need at this time in their thing. I really, Bruce really be think... a hard team to pick because they've been successful in that. In the most yeah, I think I just ran, like pick. contradict myself three times, but I do yeah, think yeah. that I don't know, but I do think that he yeah. can create more. I do think that if he plays to his potential, he's genuine better hooker than Jake Friend. And they're pretty much what you're saying is if they both play to their potential, uh, Beryl's impact on the Roosters is greater than Friend's. Yes, and I think it'll make Roosters way more of attacking threat. All right, and I know we said this a few times. Uh, I think you said this a few times, the most high-profile person. This is, easy, to me, the most high-profile person and could be the most surprising for people. So I've got the Melbourne Storm. Oh, Jesus. To me, this is, to, me, no, to me, this is actually pretty easy because he's been down the last two years, but because they're in such a good team, it, you don't notice it. And he's, a, for his stand, pretty poor not just last season, the season before, in Felice Gafusi. Uh, Jesus. Yeah. So it, you know, if you I, I agree. Him, I agree, but his yeah. poor effort is, like, better than probably 70% of the rest of the second rows in the competition. Don't, yeah, but we're not talking about the other competition. We're talking about the Melbourne Storm. And, like, the last two years, it, I think last year in Origin was the first time where I went, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if Kafusi starts off the bench. Uh, the form just hasn't been that good. And Interesting, Fafita was fit. Yeah, it's funny. If you look, his best two years were 2016, 2017. Um, and you look at his last two years, 19 and 20, that was statistically his worst years since 2016 and 15. Um, I'm not going to look so much at tries, although... 2018, he scored five. 2017, he scored nine. Last year, he scored two. 2019, he scored one. Uh, and for someone who gets pinged as a good edge runner, scoring two tries in 20 games is pretty low. Scoring one try yeah. in 19 game, uh, sorry, in 25 games is horrible. But his missed tackles was. It wasn't too bad, actually. I'm looking more at his attacking meters. His total running meters last year were 1,791. And when you look at games played, it's the same amount of games played as 2018. Um, he ran for an extra two, 250 meters. And if you look at the other year, he played 21. He was coming off the bench. He's not getting involved as much. His average run meters are the lowest he's had since 2016. They've been dropping each year. And his total running meters are down. Kenny Bromwich outplayed him in almost every aspect last year, yet he's still got his Queensland jersey. And that shows how strong Storm is, because I agree with you. He could He's the starting second row in any team in the comp. I don't care which second row combination you put forward. Felice Cafusi will be one of those two. Melbourne Storm are better when he's better and yeah. last season, season four were his two worst years statistically since he's been a starter in the NRL. So he has to lift his game. Defensively, yeah. he was okay last year, but he's an elite player in that position and he hasn't played to an elite level the last two years. I honestly think yeah. playing for New South Wales last year, you could pick three to four second round ahead of him. 
Yeah, that's right. He, like I said, he's still, he's still up there in some of the best, but his his form hasn't been there. And that's the Um, thing. When you get to the best, up to the best, you've got to be doing that year in and year out to stay. No, I, I, I was very surprised. But when you read out stats, I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. But I. I don't doubt he can but get back to the form. Oh yeah, I've like got he, no doubt at, whatsoever. Every out of every sorry, out of everyone in what we've picked so far, there's always a doubt whether they can play to their potential. Um at least, at least That's a really good them. point actually, Jared. Yeah. It, it, um, out of all the players we've mentioned, he's the one I'm most confident can get back to it. Because yeah. literally he is that elite player. The difference between his elite and his uh very good. For him is small, but for an average second rower, that's that's a huge jump. Yeah, and you know what? I guarantee you, Bellamy knows all of this, and he'll be yeah. priming him. Like Bellamy would have already sorted all of this out, looked at the stats. But I don't overly think Bellamy's a stat kind of player because the the merits he picks his team off isn't based on stats. No. So based on balance, I think. Attitude. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of other things probably going on with Kafusi. And he goes, mate, I don't give a shit if you scored two tries all year. You need to fix this, this, and this up. Yeah. And you walk out of the field with this mentality, which I, I believe that with what Adam just read out and with how Kafusi played, he, he's going to have a great year. Yeah. With, with the um, tries scored, it's not so much the number of nine tries compared to two. It's when you've got a gap of that big and then your running meters are down by almost 300 meters, It's you're not putting yourself in the position to be able to score the try yeah. because you're not there as you usually would. And an, an example of another player I could have picked three to four years ago would have been Josh Papali, where he was yeah. it's He used to play second row for the Raiders, and he was killing it. And then he had two pretty poor years before he's reinvented himself as a prop and just been absolutely domination. But he had that lapse for a couple of seasons and you could have could have put him in the same category. All right, last. Um, uh, you got no more. Okay. This one, one more. Okay. So this is my last one. Um, this is the same kind of vein as um, what I said for the Cowboys with Drinkwater. This guy, Tigers, um, has all the talent in the world. Can light up the Tigers' attack, but they inconsistently put him in so many different positions that he never had a game in the same position for more than probably three, four games in a row. But I think he... I am very surprised this guy's 27, but he probably has another five years left in him. He only debuted a couple of years ago. It's Billy Walters. Um, I think that he's got to play nine for these guys. Um, despite Jacob Liddell being there and being coming for the junior ranks, I think that he has more attacking options and his defense. And he's just a little fiery nugget guy who's just going to be in your face all day. And I just believe that he's good for, a, you know, at least two tries in a fortnight. So a try a game, I reckon he can create or have a hand in or score. I think he's that potentially that that has that much potential and he um can he can light the nrl if he, can, if he has an opportunity and you're, you're selecting this based on the fact that you think dewey will be playing 5-8 because we both picked waters as 5-8 yeah 
Yeah, so I'm going to have to... I, the more I think about that team, the more I think that Walters has to play nine. And Dewey will play to be six. Honest. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think it. And, you know, Liddell... I said Liddell gets his chance, but, yeah. The, because I watched a few highlights of Tigers games this afternoon, actually, while I was sitting on the couch. And some of the opportunities he created was just... Nothing like the Tigers have been like for the last five years. I think he's a player they haven't had in their squad. And yeah, so he's, yeah, I yeah. think he deserves a bit of better to crack. Me, and yeah, all right. Yeah. So I guess for me, it would have been whoever plays hooker because Harry Grant was their best player last year and he was hooker. So whoever came in had to do the same thing. Are well, you- I think that Harry Grant, um, Billy Walters can play more like Harry Grant than Jacob Liddell can. You missed Parramatta, by the way, because you should have one more team left. Oh, sorry. I did miss Parramatta. I've got that here. Okay, good. So I've got the Warriors and then you've got Parramatta and that'll do us. So yeah, Warriors again was like Bulldogs with so many players coming in, a new coach coming in. And I ended up just going similar to what I did with the Bulldogs, which position if they improve would have the biggest uh, influence on the team. To me, that was actually dummy half, but I have no idea who's actually going to be there with regards to injuries, whether they'll sign someone else. I just left that position alone. If there was a if there was a person there for that, I probably would have gone them. I don't want to throw Jazz Tavega into that. Um, so I went with Chanel Harris Tavita in that I didn't go Nicarima because Nicarima's had more experience over a longer period of time. I think we know what Nicarima is and what he can do. I don't see him having much of a higher step to take. Chanel Harris-Tavita has now had a whole season at halfback. That's his position. This is his team now. He's sort of in the same situation as um, Mitch Rain to me. If he can add one more element to his game, it will transform their whole team. Yeah. If he can take that creative uh, burden, I guess, off Roger Tuovasashek, if he can add that controlling game that the Warriors have been missing for since literally Stacey Jones left. If they can get repeat sets, play field position and not rely on flair, skill and talent. I see the rest of this team has been able to grind teams into the ground, which you don't usually talk about from a Warriors team. And with Nathan Brown as coach, getting your Murdoch Masillas and your, um, Adin Fanua Blake and your Toho Harris running at teams off a dropout as opposed to off a 20 minutes out from their own line. The change that that would make for the Warriors and have Fosatua, Mamalo, Hiku getting the ball 30 meters out from the line instead of 50 is huge for that team. So Chanel Harris DeVita, mate, if you can learn to control the game, get repeat sets and build pressure that's X factor enough for this team for them to, to me, solidify a finals position, not just get there. Yeah. He needs to be the new Sean Johnson and Stacey Jones. Oh, I, I, no, what? I think he needs to be them. I don't see him having that creativity. No, no, no. What, my point is he needs to be their dominant halves. And yeah, he, he needs, needs to be, be the dominant, talent. yes. Yeah, he yeah, needs okay, to be that player that in that squad that they're all leading around because that's what Warriors have thrived on. And yeah. that's when they're successful. They've got that kind of player in their squad. Yeah. I don't see him dangling the ball like Johnson. Johnson nah, no. could make the ball sing. Like, yeah. They're both freaks. Uh, Channel um, is not like that. Yeah. So I did forget Paramount. My Paramount one is a guy I've 
I talk about all the time at Parramatta because he has so much potential. And he's Bryce so Carl, right. good. Sorry. Uh, can I put an official complaint? <laughs> um, no, my one is Ryan Madison. He, I, yeah. I, I keep saying that Parramatta don't use him correctly because they've got to utilize his ball skills instead of just a bash runner. And if he can get in more positions where they build a game plan around and you use his ball skills, you know, that guy with so much size, speed, skill, and agility, creating stuff like they don't even have to give it to him a lot, but Mitchell Moses and Dylan Brown need to give him time to create something and a little bit of space. If they can create that, he can be the most dangerous second row in the competition. Yeah. So Parramatta need to use him better, but he needs to take his opportunities when they're there. Um, I think that's the most simple way of putting that for him. If he if he's you know on form on fire, he's a New South Wales player this year easily. Yep. Yeah, no, I like easily. that pick actually. He, he's he's the epitome. Not the epitome. That's the wrong word. He's he's got X factor. All like, it, it to me, he's like a a, a, a more consistent Felitti Matteo in that he yeah. can do something that other players in that position can't do, whether it's a flick pass, whether it's a show and go, whether it's a step of either foot or just literally running over people. He's got a skill set all around that can do that. Yeah. He's not a barging runner like Kickow, but he's more mobile than Kickow. Um, and they can both have as big an impact on the I like that pit. All right, there are our X-Factor players for the 2021 season. We've got one more show on Sunday night um, where we're going to run down our top eight predictions, our grand final predictions, our premiers, our Dally M winners, all the way too early awards that we most likely and definitely should not be giving out um, at that time. Um, we'll be going through all the new rules, etc over either Sunday night or Wednesday as well to get you guys all updated for it. Um, but that'll do us for our Wednesday night episode. Went a little bit longer than we uh, planned for. We had some technical difficulties, but anyway, continue to rate and review us on whichever platform you get your podcasts on. Thank you always for all of your support and your interactions with the show. Hit us up at Twitter or Facebook or whatever. Send us some questions, voicemails, be part of the show. We love all that sort of stuff and interacting with you guys. That's everything from me. Yeah. Else from you? Nah, all good. Um, Otherwise, I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna go out and um, dig a f- dig a few tiny graves. Oh my god! Seriously. <laughs> I was about to say how excited I am for the next season, and you dropped that on us. Brilliant. Thanks. Awesome. Talk to you guys Sunday night. <laughs>